Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanithasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare genetic medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hakko Radio. Hi everyone, welcome to the Unique Perspective Show live on Hakko Radio powered by the Montemivasar. On today's show, we have a dear friend of mine, a very hush of a person. He's a paramedic. He does lots of things for the cloud. The one, the only, Simcha Shane. Welcome. What's up, Huda? I'm so excited. And let's jump right in, Simcha. Let's talk about your, your Lakewood experience from growing up until now. Well, I can tell you what I, how I started. I went to uh, okay. four elementary schools, which is, I think, not bad. Well, it's technically three, but we argue that it was four because I started off, I went to the Cheder for primary, first and second, and then Sotmer? I went to Satmar for third and fourth. Yeah, well, like with Satmar, I think it was they like, called like Satmar Light, but there was a big exodus of people who went when I was in third grade, went to Satmar for a couple of years. <laughs> Maybe it was cheap tuition. I have no idea. Well, my, fa- my father decided one day that I'm going to Satmar. So I went to Satmar for two years. And then I right, and then I went to uh, I went to another yeshiva for for eighth grade, and then I went to Cleveland to Tell's yeshiva for ninth grade, and then I went to Adelphi yeshiva for tenth, wow. eleventh, and twelfth grade, which is actually my uncle's yeshiva, Rabbi Yerucham Shane, and uh, that's right. And then after went that, to I went Denver to Denver yeshiva. Denver yeshiva. Wow. Yeah. So what what was it like in Lakewood when you were growing up? So I, I'm probably what you define as one of the kids at risk from the original ones that grew up in Lakewood before there was any program. So me and a couple of my friends, I guess we were the original ones out there. But Lakewood was nice. It was very small. I can tell you that every time we drove on the parkway or the Route 9 heading to New York, we look at the car, you know, that had, uh, you know, look like a Jewish wow. smashed up and dented car like everybody had those days. And we knew that it was somebody from Lakewood. We knew everybody. You know, the yeshiva list then, was like maybe two pages long. Maybe it had, I don't know, maybe 100 families, 150 families. That's it. There was one, there were two, there were three schools in Lakewood. There was Lakewood Cheder, and then there was Satmer opened up, then a very, very small school. I don't even know if Satmer had 100 kids in the whole school. There was a Batal Hebrew Day School that had maybe, I don't know, maybe another couple hundred kids. But that was it. I, I can tell you this, that I was, I was the first parallel class in Lakewood Cheder, just to put it in perspective. Now I believe they have 10 or 12 parallel classes. I was the first one. And all the other yeshivas opened up, you know, what way after I left there. So Lakewood is very, very small then. I grew up maybe seven blocks away from the yeshiva when my father bought his home in 1976, I think. They told him that they couldn't understand how he would move so far. You know, and he said, just give it some time and you'll see. 
that lake was just going to expand. And, you know, I still remember when people moved out, they'd have to walk yeah. 20 minutes. And now look what crazy. it's become. It's become, the, the, you know, there are five towns. Jackson and Tom's River and Brick and Howell. And, <laughs> Lakewood is on the back burner at this point. What was your relationship right, with, right. let's say, Rep. Schneer right. Cutler, Rep. Aaron Cutler? Well, Rep. Aaron, Aaron Cutler passed away before my okay. time. Rep. Schneer Cutler, I, I remember. I remember when he passed away. He passed away, I think, on a Thursday or a Friday, and they brought the Aaron into into BMG, into Bishmanish Kavaya, and people oh. sat and said to him the whole time. I mean, I knew him. I would say good job to him. Right. That's really as far as it went. I was very young. I was probably eight or wow. maybe eight or nine years old. And look, Lakewood is very materialistic now. Look look what it has become. I'm saying from back then to now. It's crazy. Well, definitely, right. It's expanded in Tyra, too. Like they still call it Lakewood Air Tyra, but it's definitely materialistic. I can tell you, Growing up, when we had to buy a suit or I had to buy a hat, we would uh -huh. go to New York. We'd go to the right place, and we'd go to the hat rack and Cova hats. Cova hats? There was no concept of restaurants in Lakewood when we grew up. Yeah, Cova Dude, hats. I was, don't know if you remember it was, that. It was on 13th Avenue. I think it was in Borough Park. <laughs> right. So then, if you wanted something before Yumtif, we would take it. You have to take a ride to New York. We went to the right place to get suits. And now, people come from it, New York to Lakewood to buy anything. <clears throat> It's There's crazy. Pretty much nothing it's, you can get It's here. not normal what Lakewood has become. Now, I didn't want to get into this so quickly, but growing up, did you have this feeling of you wanted to become a Hatzala guy? And what, what drove you to becoming the paramedic that you are today? So it's interesting that my, when Hatzala started, Hatzala started in Lakewood in 1981. I was like eight or nine years old at that point. And my father, my father was from the original, from the, I think, seven founding Hatzala members. So when my father, I, I believe, was the oldest member. So he was the only one who had kids, like young kids, myself and my sisters. And they used to come to our house, the Hatzala yeah. guys. In the, they weren't Hatzala. They were just training to become EMTs. And they were training our Right, because before there was even a Hatzalah, there was a Lakewood first stage, which my father was a member of. He joined for a little bit of time, and before they opened up Hatzalah, but they used to train on us. <laughs> they used to put splints on us and lay us down and put wow. us on backboards and things like that, because that's what they practice on. So my, fa so my father was a Hatzalah member, and I remember that he used to drop everything, and he used to leave shul, and he used to leave the house, and leave his work, whatever he did. And I can tell you this, from, from that age is when I said, you know, when I grew up, wow. that's what I want to be. I want to be a Hatzalah member. So... When I was maybe 20 years old, I think I was 20 years old, I decided one day, you know what? I need to become an EMT. I wasn't, I wasn't married then. I had to become, I said I want to become an EMT. So I picked up a phone. I called two local first aid squads. One of them was uh, the Lakewood first aid squad that my father had been on many years before. And that's a lot of front people on there right now. And then I, opened, then I called a local squad, the neighboring town called Howell. They called me back immediately, like literally 10 minutes after I called, they called me back and they said, when can you? I said, I want to join your squad and I want to become an EMT. And they said, well, when can you be here? I said, well, where, what's, where are you located? And they told us where I said, well, I could be there. It was, a te it was like a seven minute drive. I said, I could be there in 10 minutes. So 10 minutes, 10 minutes after, so 20 minutes after wow. my first phone call, I was already meeting them. And about 10 minutes after that, they accepted me in. And I think like two weeks yeah. later, I started my EMT class. So that was like in 1993. And... I joined them. I was with them for a couple of years. And then in 1996, I got married in 95. And then in 1996, I joined Hatzalah. So actually Shushan Parm. Wow. So 
So you just hit 27 years that I'm on here, Shushan Purim. And then I became a paramedic in, as we started training in 2005, I became a paramedic. Wow, so from 1995, 1996 to 2005 to 2007, you were just a regular EMT. No, correct. I was right, correct. I was Whatever. an EMT. An EMT not just regular, it was an EMT. important, but I'm saying yeah. you were just an EMT. Right. We didn't have any concept of paramedics in Lakewood at that point. It didn't exist. Everything had to be run by the local, you know, by the local organizations that had paramedics out here, a company called Monarch and some other companies. And we actually had a, a person, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but I mean, who literally literally died in our arms because we had no medics available. And it was the cause in, in, in Yeshiva and BMG. And it was a, a businessman, somebody who had a very successful business, and he would learn Dafyaimi at night. And one night in the middle of Dafyaimi, he got very, very sick. And we recognized right away how sick he was. And they would have literally there would be one paramedic unit that would cover Lakewood and parts of Jackson and parts of Brick and Tom's River. And if that medic unit wow. wasn't available, that's, you just that's didn't have and he passed away. He literally passed away in our arms. And we made it. We made a decision then. Actually, myself and another uh, Hatzalim member from Mishmaler, we sat together that night and we said, you know what? We're going to do whatever we have to do to to get paramedics in in, in Hatzalim, in Hatzalim of Lakewood. It was very very small at that point. And, right, but I don't think it, I don't know if it was doing that it was that small. But they just don't understand the concept that we want to volunteer. And we said, you know, we cover a hundred percent of our calls on our EMTs, but what are we gonna do if we don't have paramedics? And we wanna have paramedics, we have to petition the state, and we actually have to hire a lobbying firm to go after them. And finally, the state told this organization called Monarch, and they said, you know, you better figure out how to work with them, because if not, we're gonna give them the ability to open on their own. So we started training, um, seven guys went into the first course in 1995, September of 1995, we started. And we, had, no, I'm sorry, September 2005, we started. And we had no way of knowing. We knew going in that there was a possibility that we had a very, very long road ahead of us to see if they'll even allow it. But we got our training. And then afterwards, we went to meet with this, this company. And they were receptive. They said, but you can't work together until you guys have experience. You have to work together for at least a year. So for a year, all of us worked in the 911 system part-time or for DM, whatever it was. And then in, that, was, that was October 2007. Then in October 2008, the Lakewood Hatzalah Volunteer Paramedic Program started. And I will tell you that to this date, we're still the only volunteer paramedics program in the state. Hopefully some other Hatzalahs in North Jersey, Passaic, and I think Orange and maybe Bergen County are going to hopefully get some stuff up running real soon. We're hoping. We will be right back to this episode with Simcha Sheen after words from our sponsor. Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support. At VentureTech, we understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back with Simcha Shane. Let's jump ahead to, to your business today, how you founded Powerflight, and, and what drove you to, to, to make a company like Powerflight. So we'll have to back up a little bit. Before Powerflight started was actually probably the time that I probably met you. So I had a very, very close friend, as did you, and his name was Shlomo Zaka. Shlomo Zaka was Shlomo Zakam was a philanthropist. He was the first from paramedic in, in New York, the first from Hatzalah paramedic. 
I got were, to meet him after nine eleven. Were you created something were you, called the Were you part of nine um, eleven? Did you did you go to nine eleven? I did. I responded from Lakewood. Um, we got the. I mean, when it first happened, we called New York Hatzalah. New York Hatzalah sent all their ambulances into 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 the city. Uh, we had three ambulances at that point in La in, in Lakewood, and I called uh, I called H Base, which is New York Hatzalah, and I said, "This is Lakewood. We could be anywhere you need in the next hour and change. Where would you like us to go?" And they said, "We really can use ambulances in in Brooklyn because right. all the ambulances went to the city. So we sent one ambulance into Brooklyn and, and into Borough Park." To cover literally to cover Borough Park, and then we sent a second one to cover mm -hmm. to cover Flatbush, and being that mm -hmm. I was a Flatbush Hatzalah member, then I jumped on a Flatbush Hatzalah ambulance and I had I went into the city. So the towers were already down when we got there. Was that day one or was that after day one? Just day one. Day one. Wow. No, no, day one, September 11th. And you still haven't. So you still hadn't met. I was probably you still hadn't met Shlomo or Benish Mendel Zachar Levacha. No, no. I had not met them at that point. That's right, correct. I met them, I don't know if I interacted with them that day, but I'll tell you that soon after, Shlomo re recognized, because right. the world was in chaos and turmoil at that point, and, and, and nobody knew what was going on. Israel was at war with the, with the Palestinians and the Arabs and Gaza and everywhere else, and Shlomo had this vision that what's going to happen is that when Israel is going to be called up to go into war, then they call up all their all the reserves, right? And the reserves include their paramedics and their EMTs. So he created a program there that he built with Hever Hatzala, and then it was with Mada, that to allow to allow us to go in there and get trained. So EMTs and paramedics and doctors would go to would go to Israel and get trained. And actually, Shlomo paid for it all. He underwrote the entire mission, and I was privileged actually to be on the first trip. So it was a trip of twenty people. And it included Shlomo, Shlomo Zakheim and Heshi Jacobs, who was the president of Hatzalah, and Benish Mendel, and Michael Vach, and so many of very, very close friends that I have until this day were those that I met, that I met on that trip. And that's the trip that really changed my life because it allowed me to become very, very close with, with literally with Shlomo and with Michael and with Shlomo Benish Zakheim so soon after that, we became very, very close. I think there was maybe a bit of a period of five years or so afterwards. We went back training a couple of times. And then I don't even remember all the logistics, but we ended up becoming very, very close friends. We, became, we, we bought a few businesses together and we became very close. And he invited me to join him in his chesed. It was a tremendous chesed that I had. Shlomo had his own, his own private jet. I don't know if you remember it, but he had a private jet, a Lear 31, that he actually outfitted with oxygen and with a stretcher. And he would send me and Banish and Michael and others, or, you know, around the country with people, those who didn't have money, who needed to be able to get to hospitals. And his jet was bought for Chesed. I can tell you that his jet was sent to, to, to send people who would go visit Jonathan Pollard. And every time people would look at the Jewish press and see articles about people who want to visit Jonathan Pollard, but yet nobody mentioned, because Shlomo would never let him do it, but I'm doing it now. Um, Shlomo never let anybody mention the fact that he was the one who paid for it, for people to be able to go down to Butner to the prison for people to go visit Jonathan Powell. And he was very, very close with him as well. I met Jonathan uh, a number of months ago and his Hakar Satoyot to Shlomo and to Fegi Zakheim was, was truly immense. But so, so we, me and Shlomo became very, very close. We traveled the world together. And um, so we had these businesses together. And then in 2012, 2012, Shlomo got sick. Shlomo got sick. Shlomo had been at yeah. ground zero for greater than 30 days. He actually had, at, at some point, he owned the largest ambulance company, I believe, in New York State. And he lost 14 of his personnel that day at Ground Zero. And he and 
Banish and quite a few others spent a very long time at Ground Zero in the rubble trying to help dig, uh, dig for survivors. No, and it's, it's, unfortunately, un, it's unreal. Sec it's unreal what they what they did. Right. So I I still have the email that Shlomo sent me and Michael um, on the day he oh, actually then he got diagnosed on a, I think a Thursday or a Friday. I knew something was wrong because it was the first time in many many years, probably like in ten years that I had not spoken to Shlomo on an era of Shabbos. And I even remember mentioning to people, I was like, it's so strange. I, I called him like four times. And for me not to speak to Shlomo, and then Matzah Shabbos, we got the worst email you can imagine. And it was him basically telling me and Michael, we called his, his brothers, but he wow. called it, we called each other the triplets. And he said, I have some, he said, I have some great news to share with you. Can you imagine? Great news to share. And he told me that, mm -hmm. he told me that he takes Lipitor for his cholesterol and he he had to get routine blood work. When they went to do his routine blood work, they realized that something was wrong. They told him to come in, and they realized that he had uh, that he he got leukemia, and it was secondary to his exposure. And he said, "You know, I'm going to be off the grid for a bit, but I'm going to fight this, and I need you guys to you know to run the show right now." And I didn't actually mention that in 2010, Shlomo invited me and Michael and others. Yeah, so that, that was the first. Was I think it was the first time I met you in 2010. In in the Correct. infirmary in in Kent, 2010. I, I, yes, it was at night, right. and I didn't know who you were. Right, and I didn't know who you were, and Shlomo introduced you as his best friend. <laughs> right, so I, figured, I thought I was his best friend, but apparently Shlomo had he had a lot of best friends. But then we yeah. became best friends, me and you, you So that was very very exciting. So. Yeah, so I've been in Camp Simcha, and he would do the helicopters there, and we still do it to this day in his memory. But in, uh, in 2012, he got sick, and unfortunately, in 2013, he passed away, Rosh Hashanah. And next Rosh Hashanah is going to be his 10-year. It's crazy. It's, right. And as, as I mentioned before, right. Yehuda, that Shlomo had his own his own private jet. He would send me around, and, and we owned these pharmacies together. And, and one day, I got a message from Shlomo through Fagy that says, Shlomo wants to meet with you. And I came running down to Sloan. Very few people would even get in there. I think it was like myself. I think like non-family members, like myself, Michael, and, and Banish were the only ones really allowed to go in and visit him. And I came into there, and I remember he was sitting on his bed, and he says, he says, you know, uh, I, no one I didn't believe it. he was going to no pass one away. I it. thought he was just going to survive. I, I, but I wonder if he knew. At that I, I point, think I, he think might have, he I think he might have I think known. He his lungs were destroyed. So he calls me into his room, and he says, I wanted to take my jet. And I was like, okay, and go where? Because you know, he would always say, take my jet and go go to Mayo Clinic, go to Cleveland Clinic, go to Cincinnati, go to LA, whatever it was. I was like, okay, and go where? He goes, no, no, no I want you to take my jet. I said, well, what do you want me to do with it? He says, I want you to open up a business. I want you to open an air ambulance business. And I want you to go, I want you to go change the world. He said, but never, ever forget, never forget the Hesse component of it. And I didn't know what to make of it. And he passed away really soon after that. And I didn't know what to do. And I spoke to I spoke to his chief pilot and I spoke to Ozzy Zakheim and I spoke to Faye Zakheim and I made a decision at that point that I'm not going to take probably, it. It was too probably, overwhelming. Also, it was I, I knew nothing about the business. So I'm going to take it. close with friends with Shlomo. It was probably very hard for you to take his private jet and do business, not business, but like chesed and business together at the same time. Possibly, possibly, but I'll tell you this also about, you know, about yeah. it was that it's very overwhelming. Jets are very expensive and very expensive to run. I didn't have the money to go ahead and do that. So I ended up selling the the pharmacy oh. business yeah. to Shlomo's family because that was very yeah. hard for me because I had that business with Shlomo. It was very hard for me to stay that in was that citywide and continue. Pharmacy, so I, right? sold that, I sold that to his family and then, well, correct. Well, it was citywide. It was, it was a senior script. And it was revival, and then it was, it was citywide, and then it was revival. It was three pharmacies that we had. 
So I ended up selling that to his family. I sold my position out. And then I said, you know, what? I want to open up this. I want to open up this air ambulance business. And I started, I started and there was, you know, a few big stumbling blocks in the road, but we kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And Baruch Hashem, we opened up. We opened up, I opened up Paraflight. And we started by just doing air ambulance. What do you mean by air ambulance? So air ambulance means taking a private jet and having it full of equipment. It's okay. basically an ICU in the sky. So it has cardiac monitors and it has meds and it has pumps and it has intubation abilities and anything that you need to treat somebody. You can take them directly out of an ICU and you fly them wherever they have to go. So people who are either going from one hospital to a specialty center or those who are going to maybe coming home and going into a rehab center or something like that. People are stuck somewhere. We go and pick them up. Some people are very, very sick and they have to go on an air ambulance, but some don't. There are many people that we can actually take on a commercial I, I just want to pause you for a second. We, I don't remember what year it was, but I, I ended up going to the Miami Marathon. Uh, I think it's close to 10 years already. And I ended up unfortunately getting sick there and in the end, it was a major um, snowstorm, and I had to get back. The flights were, were getting canceled left and right, and I called you and called another friend of mine, and in the end, you were able to fly me back to New York privately, and I have a card to tell you for that. Right. Always a pleasure to work with anybody, but especially with you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, with the Mignon, could we get into that subject? Absolutely. So... The minyan, as I mentioned before earlier, I was, I think, a kid at risk when I grew up in Lake Gouda. We didn't have any minyan or anything. And the minyan started when there was a group of guys who just wanted just a place where they could be themselves, or a place where they wouldn't be judged, a place they can come and they can dive in and they can learn and they can interact with their friends. And was it, it was started with a group of was guys led by Rabbi Chaim Abadi. Chaim Abadi is the Rav. He's the one. He gets, he gets all the credit for it, for, for starting the minyan. And it still runs to this day. It must be, <clears throat> it's over 20 what, years. Over 20 what's years. Your, what's your, maybe 20, what's maybe, your involvement yeah. with them? Well, I've been involved with them literally from the beginning, from day one. From, from, literally from the first day that it started, I've been involved. And I, I don't have a very, very active role in there right now because life gets busy. And even just to get to the Minyan because I'm of sure, the traffic at the time. Sure, it's a crazy because it is what Lakewood is. It, 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 it takes uh, 45 minutes to get to the Minyan from where you live. Right, yeah. So I try to go like <laughs> Sunday mornings. I try to go there whenever else, you know, special occasions. But I speak to uh, I speak to Rebbe all the time. It, I, I saw weeks, recently sure. that you that you went on a trip involved. with them. What was that all about? So we go to do a trip every year in Israel, a mentor's mission, where we go out because there are a lot of boys who start over here at the Minyan, and then they go out to Yeshiva in Israel. So we spend a week. We go out there, spend a week together, and then we do a big Shabbos together. Usually like sixty, seventy, or eighty people, and wow. it's uh, pretty exciting. How did you get involved in, with special children's center? Yes. So we have a friend. We have a mutual friend. His name is Chaim Levy. You know Chaim Levy, right? And uh, Chaim Levy is on a ventilator, and he had a dream that he wanted to go to Israel. That's what he wanted to do. And his, and because I fly patients all over the world, I said, you know, when you want to go to Israel, I'm going to come with you. Just give me a heads up notice so I can clear my calendar. And when you want to go, we're going to go. So this was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And he said, I said, how long do you think it'll be? He said, we want, it. we want to put together money. He thinks in the next like okay. two, three months or so it's going to happen. So I said, okay. Anyway, he, he apparently put up a GoFundMe or some sim similar page. He launched it on a Thursday. And okay. on Friday, his sister calls me. 
my sister calls me up and says, hey, remember you told Chaim Levy that when you go to Israel, you're willing to come along as this pri private paramedic? I said, of course. I said, you know, I guess a month. She goes, actually, we're leaving Sunday. And what? I said, what does that mean? I said, what do you mean we're leaving Sunday? I said, we just launched their campaign. Did you get all the money? So she says, no, actually, what happened was that he launched it. And somehow somebody sent the link to Shlomo Yehuda Rechnitz, who lives in L.A., and Shlomo Yehuda said that he wants to get involved. And it so happened to be that Shlomo Yehuda was flying that Sunday to Israel. And he says, you know, I'm going to Israel. I'll take the guys along with me and I'll bring them back. So there's no expense for the plane, which is the most expensive thing. And we said they're going to fly us. We said, okay. So I, get a, so I get a phone call Friday and she's like, listen, we got to leave Sunday. Meanwhile, Chaim Levy, we find out. So we started moving forward, getting equipment together, everything that we need. And Chaim Levy realized that he didn't have a passport. Wow. So Tzviglach from Amudim gets the passport office open in Manhattan on a Sunday for Chaim Levy to get his passport. And we were scheduled to leave Sunday night. Meanwhile, um, two people from the Special Children's Center, Janine Shweki and Chaim Ben, who started it, were involved with Chaim Levy and they, they were coming along on the trip. So it became more of like a center trip. I had no idea what the Special Children's Center was. I kid you not. I grew up in this town. I'll even tell you that Chaim Rachabendu lives five wow. houses away from me. I had no idea who she was. Her husband also happens to be my second cousin. But, right, so they ended up coming along and it was myself and Chaim Levy had a, a close friend that came along with him and I was a paramedic and, and, and Shlom Yehuda came along and his brother and <laughs> Freddie Freeman the Shatrin came. And Chaya Rachel and Janine, and, and we went to Israel. It was an epic, epic week. I actually had to fly back in between because I had a bar mitzvah and a wedding over here. So I flew back in between, and then I went back to go pick up, to go pick up Chaim Levy and to fly back with him. So I'll tell you, Shlom Yehuda actually covered everything on that trip, put us up in the Waldorf, took care of all the transportation. We needed special handicapped transportation to take his wheelchair. He took care of everything, and actually Shlom Yehuda had to leave like a couple of days before we did. And he actually booked us all, paid for his, paid for everybody's tickets wow. for us to come back on El Al. So once I interacted with, with the Special Service Center, I said, you know what, I'm going to get involved. I said, what can I do to help? And I ended up becoming the paramedic for the Special Service Center. So many trips that we've done all over the world, from Israel numerous times to Costa Rica to L.A., wherever they go, I fly wow. along with them as, as their paramedic. Wow. You're, you're unbelievable. First of all, for, for you to fly back and forth in the middle of the week for a wedding <clears throat> and a bar mitzvah, it's, it's, it, it must be, you must be very tired from flying back during the week on, on a whim. Yeah, well, correct. But uh, that's what we got to do. You know, sometimes you have to juggle numerous yeah. things. So we do, it's in life. You do the same thing, right? We have to figure out what's important. And sometimes we can't, we can't do everything, but if we could figure out how to make it work, even if a man going to a very, very close friend's son's wedding, to a very, very close friend's room, it's, uh, that's what, we, if, if we're able to make it do, you know, happen, we happen. There are many times that I fly people to Israel. So I'll fly people who are elderly or people who are not well, and I'll fly them to Israel because they want to go on a week's vacation. And sometimes I'll drop them off, and I'll have somebody cover me there, and I'll fly back. Shlomo, whenever he flew, he always made sure to fly back for Shabbos to be home, if I'm not mistaken. I definitely try to do that. I definitely, I, he, that's absolutely correct with him, and I definitely try to do that. It doesn't right. always work when I was with the Minyan. The Minyan right. trip is culminating. No, but I'm Shabbos. saying most, most so trips. That's not really that, an option, that, but uh, correct. I try to schedule trips, no later, if possible, no later than Wednesday, so that I can get there Thursday, and I can come back for, I can come back for sure. really unbelievable. And we'll be right back with Simcha Sheen after words from our sponsor.
A mushal, a story, halacha, drush, divrei, Torah, quotes and sayings galore. No matter what type you are, there is something in Torah Tavlin for everyone. Torah Tavlin is a compendium of stories and sayings, wit and wisdom from our Torah leaders and greatest gedolim throughout the generations. Torah Tavlin is read by over 50,000 people weekly and has a collection of over 10 svarim in print. Sign up today to receive the Torah Tavlin weekly newsletter by sending an email to subscribe at torahtavlin.org or by filling out the form by visiting our website at www.torahtavlin.org. Torah Tavlin is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all donations are tax deductible. To donate or for sponsorships and dedications, please visit us on the web or send an email to donate at torahtavlin.org. We are back with Simchashin. Now, you have part of paraflight is organ flight. What is that? Oh, yeah. All so, about? organ flight. So, Organ flights is just a, it's another division of what we do in paraflight. So I mentioned before the paraflight does air ambulance. We also do corporate executive charter. And then our core focus now, what we focus on primarily is being able to fly organ transplants. I, I think that's the most unique up, thing that to, I've to, ever to heard up. someone do. I don't know any other company that does organ flights. Right. I believe we, I believe we probably are the only from company. It's a, it's a 24, when I say it's a 24-7 attention to detail, very, very high, stressful job. But Baruch Hashem, we have a very, very solid team behind us that really helps make all the pieces work together. And it's very difficult and it's very challenging, but we know that we're saving lives. And I'll tell you how this, what really prompted me to do this. So we had a mutual friend named Yochi Ruby, right? Yochi Ruby is a chayna lebracha. Yochi Ruby was a very close friend that we met in Camp Simcha. Yochi was born, he was born very, very small. He weighed 20 ounces when he was born. And when he was eight or nine years old, he developed something called interstitial kidney and liver disease. It's a kidney and liver. So he got a kidney and a liver transplant when he was like eight or nine years old. And he was very small. You remember, right? He was very, very small because he didn't grow after that. And, And when he was like 18 or 19 years old, he developed that same disease that attacked his kidneys and his liver attacked his lungs. And Shlomo still alive then but he was started getting sicker in the beginning he didn't even need oxygen or anything then he started getting dependent on oxygen and they said the only thing that's really going to help him that's really going to save his life is you know he needs a lung and he has to get a lung transplant so the journey started and i used to fly with his parents and some other friends too and we started flying around the country to try to get him listed for a lung and every place would turn him down so he had two things stacked against him one was that because he had he, because kidney. he was a prior lung and liver kidney transplant, and liver. He's, his, his anti, I'm sorry, kidney and liver transplant, his antibodies were very, very high. So that meant he ran, he ran a risk of rejection if he would get a new lung. The other challenge was that because he was so small, no lung would fit him. Right. He really needed a child's lung. But because he was an adult, he was already after 18, he couldn't get a child's lung. So every time we'd go to these different places and he would come back and he'd get very, very sad and depressed. And he would say like, what, what happens now? It's just to just go home and die because I want to live. I want to live so badly. And then one day I get this opportunity by a friend of mine, Dr. Mark Merlin says, hey, there's a, a, a center in, in New York City that's trying to open up and they might need, they need somebody to help them facilitate their flights for their mm-hmm. organs. So he says, are you able to do that? I said, yeah, we're doing air ambulance and we're doing some corporate charter. I think I'd be able to do that. I didn't really know anything about it, but I said, I think I can do it. So we come into this hospital in New York City and we meet with this team. They had not even opened yet. They weren't open for like another, you know, 
another couple of weeks or something before they can do their first transplant. They were, we were in this process for a while until we got everything started. And um, we're sitting in the place, and I said, but they said, hey, we'd love to have you take our transplants. Can you handle it? Said, of course, we can handle it. I didn't know anything about it, but I said, of course, we can handle it. And then I said, by the way, I'm just curious, like, what are you guys going to transplant? I said, we're going to transplant lungs. I said, really? Adult lungs? They said, yeah. I said, I pull out my phone and I show it to them. I said, listen, I need your help. I said, I've been to 10 or 11 different transplant centers with this guy over the last year, and everybody turns him down. We need a really, we need to really help us. So I said, he said, what's wrong? I said, well, the first problem is that he's very, very small, and he needs to get a, really a child's lung, and they don't want to give it to him because he's not a child, so he can't get it. So they said, well, we can take a small female, and he can get a small female lung. I said, yeah, that makes sense. We can do that. And I said, what are you going to do about the fact that his antibodies are very high because he's been a prior transplant? And they said, well, for that, we can just give him dialysis right before a transplant to remove the Why antibodies. Wow, it's unbelievable that nobody before. thought of that. We don't know. But I can tell you this, that we flew all over the country. When I tell you we were in Texas and we were in Duke and we were in, in you name it, Baylor and, and Cincinnati and California, went everywhere and everybody just turned them down because nobody thought of this. It was unbelievable. So I said, can I bring him in? I said, sure, anytime you want. So the next day, literally the next day, Yochi came in with his parents. I think I've shown you the picture of them, the, us with the doctors and the surgeons. And they met him and they said, yeah, he's a, he's a candidate. We're going to bring him on board. He lived for another about two years after that. And unfortunately, he had a very, very rare blood type. I said, he was also small. So there were a lot of things that were stacked against him. So that means even though whoever it was who was on life support mm -hmm. was donating a lung, they couldn't give it to him because he was right. just because he was just so small. And unfortunately, as you know, Yoki passed away before he got his lung. But I, I, you know, I speak to his mom all the time. Actually, I spoke to her actually just yesterday. And her mom tells me that she has no doubt that Yoki lived another two years because he had that belief that at least he might, he might, he stood a very good chance of getting a lung, you know, and then unfortunately he passed away. But I do this in his memory, in his memory and in Shlomo's memory and in Banish's memory. And that's really the drive that keeps me going. I joke when I say it, but it's really the truth that I haven't slept since 2014, <laughs> soon after Shlomo died. And you, it doesn't mean that I don't yeah. close my eyes and go to sleep, but it means that I don't go anywhere without my phone. My phone stays by my pillow, and I wake up every two hours in a panic thinking that I missed a phone call. And we do have a solid team, but that's what I always worry about, missing that phone call for an organ transplant. I, but I, Hashem, I see your videos lives, and We want to save even more lives. Um, WhatsApp, uh, Instagram, and all that stuff, uh, fl uh, flying organs all over. Wow, you That's you're, what we try to do. We try to fly every day. And you're amazing, know. and I'm really thankful to have you as my one of my closest dear friends. And you keep me going and gives, gives me chizik every day. I'm privileged to call you a friend. Everybody has their challenges, and you just attack them head on and you bike ride and you exercise, you do whatever, everything, everything you got to do. You run Baruch Hashem, a successful business. And uh, you really, you just, you really, I'm, I'm very privileged and lucky, as are many people. Everybody who, who knows you, you, everybody loves you. Everybody gets so much motivation and so much chizik from you. And you're truly, uh, you're truly a special, very, very special person. Thank you. Um, with all what you do in your life, in your chesed, in your daily thing, your family is number one. So we always try to do that, family and friends, and still be able to do what we do. And it's only because 
of the support that we get from them that I'm able to do it, that I can leave my, you know, I can leave on a moment's notice. I could be home in the morning and two hours later, I'm on a flight flying somewhere. I travel with my passport. <laughs> I travel with my talisman. Wherever I go, my talisman's full on my passport. Well, you, you, you don't know, times. you don't I mean, know where I'm you're very going close friends with Ellie. from one second to the next. I will tell you that if you know, you know, Ellie Deer from, from Ikhara Tzola. So Ellie was very, very sick. And by the way, his book just I, came I out. I heard so about shout it. Out, buy his Someone book. told it's me really about it. I'm it's a, it's a, it's a great, I bought three of them. My grandson walks around with one of them all day long, <laughs> pointing to my picture in there and pointing to Ellie's picture. But Ellie Beer is a very, very close friend of mine. And I had the privilege to fly him back after he got sick. If you know, a couple of years ago in COVID, he was one of the first people who got really, really sick. He was collecting money, which That's, he does for United you know, Nations. He got sick on Purim. And after he got off the ventilator, he is, he is, and 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 that was the chush that I got to be able to go, to be able to go, and, to be able to go and bring him back. But these are things that opportunities that just come. And I'll tell you that. So it's a, and then afterwards, what he called me because he would need me to bring, you know, supplies and medicines to Israel and things like that. And I once got a phone call from him that he needed my help in Israel for a special project. And I remember it was just a regular, it was just a regular Wednesday. I'm sorry, regular Tuesday. And he calls me up and he says, hey, how would you like to come to Israel for Shabbos? I'm like, okay, Tuesday night, I'll leave tomorrow afternoon or Thursday morning. He goes, um, he says, I have the special project that you need to help me with. And I said, yeah, sure. i got to speak you know, I gotta speak to the family, make sure everything is okay. He goes, well, you're booked on a flight and it leaves in two and a half hours. What? I said, you, but he booked me on a flight. Now, this is during COVID. Yeah, he booked me on a flight. So I had to literally run. I literally, I remember I made a U-turn. I went right back to my house. I had five minutes to pack up to grab my equipment. He had already scheduled with Chaim Ayzadesla to get me a COVID test. And then I was heading straight to the airport. So I believe it was seven, 17 or 18 hours from when he called me. I was already in Israel. Project was already done, whatever I had to do. And I was, uh, and I was flying back. That's all. I came to Israel literally for a few hours. But again, because I had to be ready to go. And I understood going in that if I need to go somewhere, I just I have the ability to be able to juggle everything or go ahead and do it. And Baruch Hashem for Wi-Fi and Allah. So <laughs> Wi-Fi, we can do Wi-Fi that works work, all work over on now. The flight and do whatever we have to do. It, it, it's really, you're, you're such a unique person, Sinha. I can't thank you enough for what you do for Mikhail. And I'm really, really grateful that I'm very close to you. Thank you. I feel the same about you. And I think you're going to do unbelievable with your show. I think the title of your show is great. It's a unique perspective because I think that's something that you teach all of us because you have a unique perspective on everything. You take the bad, you know how to make it good. And you take the good, you know how to make it better. And you find people who are sad and you make them happy. You give people so much chizuk and you give people so much support. And the world is lucky and privileged to have you, Yehuda Blonde, there as part of, as part of, as part of Kali Yisrael. You're a special you. guy. I really, you really, really appreciate are. that. And like Shlomo used to say, Tough times don't don't last. Tough people do. Correct. And he used to always say, uh, he also said, if we it's difficult, do it. we do it. If it's impossible, we try harder. We try harder. Yeah. We try harder. Right. And those are the things, no. You got to figure out. Shlomo used to say that all the time. So I used to say no. Right. He says, hey, can you do me a favor? The, the no. easiest thing is said, to figure say out how no. to say yes. And, and... Right. Because then you, right. you just, you move away. But he says, no, figure out how to say yes. He would do anything for these kids, all the helicopter rides, trips that he used to go on to, to the Bahamas and to other places. And he was, it was sometimes so, so difficult and so challenging. 
but he would say, no, figure out how to do it. We can do it. We can do it. Don't Every worry. Nothing's thing impossible. Is possible. If you if put your heart to it, we, and you put your mind hard. to it, we try hard. Everything is possible. We try and harder. Exactly. And, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yehuda, I know that you have the ability to communicate with people, to speak to people, to make people feel good about themselves. It's something that you do all the time. I look forward to have my Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov calls from you. And I know you don't just do it to me, you do it to everybody, but you're just a special, special person. And I'm privileged and proud to call you a Thank dear you. friend and a dear brother. Thank you. Thank yeah. you well, so much for coming on. I'm very, Thank very you so much for coming on. Your show. I, you, Thank you so excellent. much. Thank you, Yehuda. You Be too. blessed. Have a great Good one. Night. Have a great one. Thank you so much. Good night. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasar. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system on our website and mobile apps, and can also be found on all major podcasting services.